mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, for now, OHSAA members have rejected a proposal on NIL rules for high school athletes, but will that be the final word? Also this morning, the travel and tourism industry was hoping for a big rebound after the lean pandemic years, but that was before gas and fuel prices skyrocketed. So what's the forecast now? And if you think you need a vacation, how about a special deal for the frontline workers of the pandemic who deserve it the most? And if you're ready to open your heart and your home, the Humane Society of Hancock County is holding an Adopt-a-thon this weekend. We have details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Today is International Museum Day, so visit your favorite museum today. Plenty to choose from. Uh, Visit your relatives day. (laughs) After you're done at the museum, you can go visit your relatives, or better yet, take your relatives to the museum. Uh, Visit your relatives and and take them to, uh, to a museum today. National Cheese Souffle Day. National No Dirty Dishes Day. So when you visit your relatives, do the dishes. And then take them to the museum. And maybe out for some cheese souffle later. HIV AIDS Vaccine Awareness Day. It is National Stress Awareness Day. Send an Electronic Greeting Card Day. Today and World Stationery Day. So, reasons to celebrate. By the way, speaking of a Stress Awareness Day... I thought this was kind of interesting. A uh, new poll uh, from CNN found that nearly two-thirds of Americans are concerned about the direction of the country, but a majority are burned out on the politics behind it. Just 14% of Americans say they are either excited or optimistic about the way things are going in the country right now. 65% say that they are concerned, and another 21% say they are downright scared about the way our country is going right now. But when it comes to politics, uh, nearly, well, a little more than a half, 53% say that they are burned out on politics. Nearly one-third, 32%, say that they feel their side is losing more than winning when it comes to politics. And that's interesting because that crosses party lines. <laughs> it's, it's just about equal on both sides of the aisle. Uh, People think that they are losing more than winning in politics. Just 9% feel their side is mostly winning. Um, Polls have shown amid uh, current high inflation and gas prices, 59% say economic issues are the most important issue in the country right now. 30% say it's domestic and social issues. 3% name foreign policy. 7% said something else. But I think that's uh, really interesting. A lot of us are not happy about the way things are going or concerned, maybe even downright scared about the direction of the country right now. But we are, by and large, just burned out of it all. So I guess maybe uh, it's I shouldn't mention that it was a big primary day yesterday, big day in politics yesterday. Uh, Primaries in uh, Kentucky, Idaho, Oregon, and the big ones in Pennsylvania and North Carolina. The uh, race with uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania is still too close to call. So they have not. Uh, I guess uh, Dr. Oz, last I heard, Dr. Oz was winning, uh, but only by a couple dozen votes. Or maybe he was down by a couple dozen votes. Just a couple dozen votes uh, in that uh, primary 
in Pennsylvania and uh, in North Carolina. Uh, the other big one that uh, folks were watching, uh, Madison Cawthorn, lost his uh, bid for re-election. So seems that the uh, people of North Carolina were fed up with all of the scandals there, that once rising Republican star. So uh, that'll be one of the uh, big news stories today. Folks will be picking apart the election results, even knowing that people are burned out in politics. Maybe that's why people have been paying more attention to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial. And this is the first time that we have brought it up on this program. I have deliberately avoided this because I think it's just a, a just a circus. Not that it's not a serious issue for the couple involved, but basically it's just two famous people airing their dirty laundry in court. And once again, Americans are obsessed. Americans, in fact, are more interested in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial than in than they are interested in issues like inflation, the war in Ukraine, and the uh, Roe v. Wade issue before the Supreme Court. People are more interested in Johnny Depp and Amber Heard than any of those significant issues. News articles about the trial have generated more social media interactions than coverage about inflation, the war, abortion, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, and more. This according to Data from News Whip. Axios reports there have been double the number of Google searches for Amber Heard over the last month than for Elon Musk, who has been in the news this bid by Twitter. And there have been nearly four times more searches for her name than for the Supreme Court. And you know everything that's going on with respect to that. Uh, driving the trial going viral is that there are uh, cameras in the courtroom with clips and memes quickly shared uh, online. But Google Trends data shows that uh, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, more interesting to people nationwide than just about any other major issue. Well, I'm still avoiding it. I I don't know. I Just me, if you want to get your Johnny Depp, Amber Heard fix, you'll have to go someplace else. Because we're just not talking about it. We're just not talking about it. I have no interest whatsoever in uh, continuing to air these celebrities' dirty laundry. And uh, if that's what you're into, fine, but just not here. Uh, Let's see. What is going on that is uh, worth noting? So Memorial Day is right around the corner. And we're going to talk a lot about uh, travel. We were talking a little bit about travel uh, yesterday. Um, AAA is out with their forecast, and they say a lot of folks are going to be traveling for Memorial Day. But by and large, um, we're going to be sticking a little closer to home because AAA reports the national average for regular gas hit a new record of 4.48 a gallon yesterday, an increase of 15 cents over the last week, over not 40 cents, 40 cents over just the last month. And overnight, prices went up again uh, in terms of the national average. Uh, Andy Lipow, president of Lipow Oil Associates, tells CNN he is raising his gasoline forecast from $4.50 to $4.75 a gallon. He also said $5 is possible, but the outlook could change considerably if there's a surprise development in the war with Ukraine or in the COVID-19 pandemic. According to... To AAA, the average price per gallon already above $5 in four states, California, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. The issue for now is that supply can't keep up with demand. 
uh, though production should ramp up in the coming weeks as U.S. refineries uh, end their maintenance season and go back online with their summer blend. Uh, the bad news, uh, oil prices remain high. Yesterday, uh, oil futures closed well over $100 a gallon, so don't expect any relief at the pump anytime soon, and that uh, likely could affect uh, some travel plans. It appears, at least the forecast is, that uh, Americans still going to travel, but maybe not quite as far as they would if gas was a little cheaper. So, there. Uh, I think the travel forecast for the state of Ohio, they do this state by state. They break this down, and I think the numbers for Ohio are going to be out sometime today. I've not seen those. Um, the next time, here is, here is some good news, though, if you are traveling. It may cost you more to drive or fly to your destination, but if you are flying and you're going through to or through New York, it may not cost you quite as much to wet your whistle at the airport. Guy by the name of Cooper Lund posted online last July about his experience getting charged nearly $28 for uh, for a beer at LaGuardia Airport. $28 for a beer at LaGuardia. And this was just a 23-ounce glass of Sam Adams. I mean, you know, nothing really special about this. 28 bucks. And uh, after this post about the outrageous price went viral, it has now led to a change in regulations regarding food and drink prices at New York City area airports. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey has now mandated that concessions sold at LaGuardia and JFK and at Newark Liberty International Airport in New Jersey cannot exceed local off-airport street prices plus a maximum surcharge of 10%. Now, you know, when you go to the airport, prices are just outrageous. Uh, it's like going to an amusement park or going to, you know, any place where they've got a captive audience. They know you can't really leave the airport and go off-site for a meal or for a drink. They've got you. And uh, so they gouge you with the, with the prices. Well, not anymore in New York and New Jersey. The prices mandated to be equal to uh, off-airport street prices plus a maximum surcharge of 10%. The Office of Inspector General for the Transportation Authority had found that more than two dozen customers were charged what he called totally indefensible amounts for food and beverages by concession operators at the airport, and they have put a stop to it. Here's hoping that catches on. I don't know if you've... uh, how much time you spend at airports, but uh, man, the prices are outrageous. And you can't take your own stuff through security most cases. You know, like uh, like drinks and, and the, you can't buy them outside the airport and then take them through the security. They, you can't do that. So you've got to buy them on the other side of security and they can charge you pretty much whatever you want, but not in New York anymore. So I think that's long overdue. And uh, here's something. Speaking of travel, I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. What are your travel plans? Um, you may find that the hotel or the bed and breakfast or the Airbnb, whatever that you are staying at at your destination, the resort that you are staying at, 
uh, is going to help you disconnect quite literally. In 2018, hotel groups started noticing how our reliance on technology is a problem. Wyndham Grand was one of the first to notice and back then started to implement phone-free zones at pools and restaurants across several of its properties, even going so far as to offer special perks and various discounts to those who honored the known the no-phone policy while they were at the hotel or resort. Fast forward to 2020. That was in 2018. Fast forward to 2022. Technology-free is being sold as an amenity across several notable properties. The Sheldon Chalet, for example, does not have any TVs. Uh, the only phones are emergency phones, like it'll dial 911 in an emergency. But other than that, you can't even use the phone. No Wi-Fi on the entire property. No TVs, no Wi-Fi. And only basic phone service. Uh, the owner of uh, this resort says mostly due to the hotel's location, which happens to be inside Alaska's Denali National Park, so very, uh, very remote. But they are selling it what was once, you might think, would be um, something that would be a hindrance to people staying there. They are actually selling as a uh, as an amenity. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting, and people are responding to this. Uh, the uh, The owner says, uh, do, 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 do. oh, here it is. Uh, similarly, uh, similarly, Wilder Hope Valley in California offers neither TV nor Wi-Fi, with the exception of one place in the public area. So one central location, they've got a TV. But other than that, no TVs in the rooms, anything like that. East Wind boutique hotel in Wyndham, New York, also considers its lack of technology a point of pride. No TVs there either. So is this the future? Tim White, who is CEO and founder of MyoPro, which is a travel uh, platform, says uh, it is an interesting trend, but unlikely to become mainstream. The main reason is that one of the biggest revenue drivers for hotels is business travel, and data shows that business travel is recovering, and it's pretty obvious that business travelers uh, will never stay at hotels that don't offer internet or other tech accommodations. But for people traveling for pleasure, being disconnected is now a bigger amenity than being connected. Kind of interesting stuff there. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, showers are expected today with a high of 71. A chance of showers continues tonight with a low around 60. The Finley Airport will be breaking ground this summer on a project to reconstruct its North Aircraft parking apron. Mayor Christina Mearns says the airport is a great asset and is very excited to see it continue to grow. As being able to utilize it for economic development, uh, attraction of businesses, support of our existing businesses with just-in-time manufacturing, as well as it being a great resource for general aviation clients. The mayor says the city will be receiving a $1.8 million grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation to cover most of the cost. Get more on the project and future projects on the website. Governor DeWine says the opioid crisis remains among the most serious problems facing Ohio. The governor made the comment while attending the first meeting of appointees of the One Ohio Recovery Foundation. 
The group is tasked with making decisions to help the state deal with the addiction crisis. A 45-year-old man from Lima died at a state park last weekend. Willard Gay of Lima fell from the Overlook Cliff at Conkles Hollow, a nature preserve at the Hocking Hills State Park in southeast Ohio. A witness reported that Gay had dropped something and was in the process of retrieving it when he fell. Onan's Tracy Townsend. As part of their ongoing project in Finley, replacing aging gas lines, Columbia Gas and their contractor will be performing a routine procedure involving a continuous open flame. Columbia Gas says people in the vicinity of East Lima Street and Washington Avenue may notice a flame arrester. Columbia Gas says this is a normal pipeline conditioning procedure and the situation will be monitored 24-7. The expected duration of the flame arrester is up to one week. Get more on the website. Ohio State's highly anticipated matchup against Notre Dame on the gridiron this fall will be played in primetime. The Buckeyes and Fighting Irish will kick off their seasons at 7.30 Saturday night, September 3rd. Ohio State has won four of the six contests they've played against Notre Dame in football. Get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. As we all know, the upcoming Memorial Day weekend is the traditional launch of summer and the beginning of summer travel season, one that the industry has very high hopes for coming off the lean pandemic years. The good news is that Americans in general share that enthusiasm. Demand is so high that a recent travel poll survey finds people prioritizing travel over entertainment, shopping, even self-care. The challenge, of course, is rising fuel and transportation costs. So let's turn to a travel expert for some more insights Joining us this morning is uh, Travelport CMO Jen Cato. Jen, how much of a rebound has the U.S. travel industry already experienced to this point, even before summer officially begins? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really encouraged. I'm actually really happy to say that the global travel industry recovered by more than 50% last year and is on track to recover by about 85% by the end of this year. And so, Great news for travelers, great news for the global economy. You know, one in 10 jobs is tied to travel worldwide. Right. So super encouraging data that we're seeing. And what are the top destinations, uh, both domestically and even internationally, that people want to travel to now that international restrictions have been lifted for the most part? Oh, yeah. We As soon as a destination opens up, we see a surge in bookings at travel port. So let's start with domestic. That's a great a great list, a surprising list, actually. In the number one spot is Seattle, and that's a, it was way down on the list uh, pre-pandemic. But I think great place to go in the summer. Also, people have been outdoors for the past few years. That's a really safe activity. So lots of great outdoor activities in Seattle. Number two is Orlando. We're seeing those Disney vacations come back. It was, again, lower on the list pre-pandemic. And that's all followed by a number of great American cities. So New York, Vegas, L.A., Chicago. San Francisco. And and what's interesting about that, you know, the fact that they're mostly cities is that I think Americans are looking forward to doing those activities they've missed out on these last two years. Yeah. They want to go to the theater, the nice restaurants, you know, um, a museum, all of those kinds of cultural activities. So that's exciting to see. Internationally, we're seeing a real mix of sun and sand. So Cancun taking first place. And lots of Caribbean, like Punta Cana and Montego Bay. But the trend here really is that Americans are going a little bit further this summer. So places that have moved up on the list are Rome, Athens, Paris, London in the number two spot. 
um, you know, that pent up desire to travel is taking Americans further this summer. The challenge, as we mentioned, of course, is the rising cost of getting to that destination. There's no getting around that. Has that impacted the way that travel is being marketed this year? Maybe discount deals on travel packages to counter that or a a bigger emphasis on maybe rediscovering destinations that are closer to home? You know, it's actually been fascinating because airfares are up about 20 percent since 2019. That's, that's a big jump, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's due to the, you know, demand outstripping supply and right. also rising fuel costs, of course, which we all feel. However, what's interesting is that in spite of that, consumers are putting travel at the very top of their list. And what we found at Travelport is, in our research, consumers are willing to forego some of the everyday luxuries. So we found that 75% of people worldwide were willing to forego spa treatments forego concert tickets, give up buying new clothes because they're willing to make sacrifices to travel this summer. Hmm. Who is expected to be doing the majority of traveling? I mean, uh, you know, do you do you see trends with respect to the the types of, of people traveling and the way they're traveling, that kind of thing? We, we certainly do. In fact, about 40% of our bookings for this summer are for families. That's a big jump. And that signals to us really clearly that parents feel much more comfortable getting on a plane with children this year, going internationally, going to Disney World. Number two is mm. Orlando, right? We talked right. about that. So I think you're seeing a big trend there, certainly. So I'll let you get the plug in here for those who are thinking uh, now about what do we want to do this summer? How can someone, you know, uh, find those destinations and, and explore those possibilities with Travelport? Well, the first thing I would say is if you have your heart set on going somewhere, really do book, do book soon because flights are filling up really, really quickly. Um, the funny thing is you're probably already using Travelport and don't even know it. In fact, our technology powers hundreds of thousands of bookings. So if you're working with a travel agent or using a booking app or any kind of booking engine, you're probably already working with us. Again, uh, Jen Cato is a CMO for Travelport, talking about the uh, travel trends uh, in this uh, post-pandemic summer season. Where do we get uh, more information, Jen? I would encourage everyone to go to Travelport.com. Thanks so much. So with all this talk uh, over the past couple of days about vacation and travel season, if you think you need a break, imagine all of the frontline pandemic heroes. How much of a break they need right about now? Well, joining us this morning with information on how Heroes Vacation Club is going to make that easy and affordable for those frontline heroes to do just that is uh, marissa brainy emmy award-winning tv host lifestyle expert um obviously i I guess we don't have to say much uh, about how important this is for these individuals especially like we said if you and i need a break imagine those who have been on the front line over the past couple of years well absolutely chris and you know we know that vacations are so important for anyone's physical and mental health. You know, studies have shown that vacations help everything from our sleep to our stress levels to our heart health, even our brain function. So these frontline workers have really carried us through the past few years of this pandemic. They've certainly earned the rest and relaxation that really only a vacation can bring. And So Heroes Vacation Club is a free members-only travel club for frontline workers. They can be active 
or retired. And we're talking about everyone from firefighters to police officers, medical professionals, military personnel, teachers, and government employees. They're all eligible to join. So how does it work and what are uh, what is this deal that uh, they are being offered here? So Heroes Vacation Club partners with top travel experts and provides its members with deep discounts, travel savings of up to 60% off four and five star hotels around the world. And, you know, Heroes Vacation Club believes that these hardworking heroes really deserve a travel club that works hard for them. And so they want to make this easy and affordable for our pandemic heroes. And right now is just a fantastic deal that's going on. So now through May 31st, Heroes Vacation Club members can purchase a travel certificate that's redeemable for a seven-night resort stay for $289. How great. Wow. That is, so so how does this work and how do these uh, frontline workers uh, go about getting this, uh, uh, joining uh, the uh, uh, Heroes Vacation Club and, and getting this trip? Right. So they can just go to heroesvacationclub.com to sign up to become a member. If they're a frontline worker, they sign up there. They can also then purchase this seven-night resort stay for $289. But what I love is that there are so many different location options to choose from with this, right? So whether the hero wants to enjoy the adrenaline rush they'll get at an Orlando theme park or maybe experience some nightlife and shows in Las Vegas, walk along a sandy beach in Mexico, even get a spot of tea in England. There are options that really suit every travel style, which is really nice. Um, And again, that seven-night resort, say, for $289. I mean, if that doesn't get you to take a vacation, come on. It's it's pretty good. Absolutely. And again, as we said, if anyone deserves it, uh, these are the folks that do. So I I like that, again, to emphasize this is not just a one-size-fits-all, you know, here's the vacation deal we've worked out. You've got uh, a number of different options that you can choose from. Absolutely. And that's what's really nice. And once they become a member, they can take advantage of a lot of different travel discounts, all available through the website and through that free membership, which is really nice. But the deal right now, I mean, really just fantastic. And again, it's now, going on through May 31st. Now, through May 31st, uh, that, that you have to, to purchase uh, the vacation, but you, you don't have to take it by the end of May, right? Correct. And that's another great thing to bring up. So the certificates are redeemable immediately, but they're valid for one year. So okay. if you need a little time to plan, you have that. So you've uh, got it, and then you can work out all of the details. Uh, but again, it's uh, good through the uh, end of the month. But this is just one. Uh, one I, I'm, I'm guessing that there will be uh, more uh, to come, uh, given that this is an, an ongoing thing, right? Absolutely. Yep. This was started uh, through the pandemic. So Heroes Vacation Club, is the goal is to honor these frontline workers. Uh, and this deal right now is really special. Yeah. So awesome. Again, uh, Marissa Brainy, uh, Emmy Award-winning uh, TV host, lifestyle expert uh, with us this morning for Heroes Vacation Club. What is the website that we can send folks to to get more information to uh, sign up to join and lay their hands on this deal? Absolutely, Chris. It's heroesvacationclub.com. Very simple. We'll link it up on our webpage uh, as well. Marissa, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you.
Well, it was the story that uh, high school sports fans were buzzing about yesterday. For now, at least, OHSAA member schools have rejected a proposal on NIL rules. For now, high school athletes in the state of Ohio will not be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But will that be the final word? Perhaps no one is more well-versed in this uh, subject, in this issue, uh, than Dr. Scott Grant. He is a professor of education at the University of Finley, a leadership consultant, former Van Buren athletic director, and Scott, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate I, being here. It was not necessarily a surprise, was it, that, 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 this, was, uh, that this was rejected? No, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of ADs over the past couple of months, and, and there's just fear around it. There's a lack of, of understanding about a lot of what NIL is. So mm-hmm. I think the movement and the, and the quickness with it, there was a little concern. So it wasn't a huge surprise. But, yeah. Uh, um, and I, I will... Uh, throw this to you and we were talking with uh, nate wyrow uh finley athletic director last week ahead of the vote and uh this is the point that i made to him and i want to get your thoughts on it 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 seemed as though it was premature to even consider this given the fact that the ncaa hasn't even figured it out yet i think uh just a couple of weeks ago the uh the commissioners of the sec and the pac-12 asked congress to intervene and and help set some of the rules so uh, it might have been uh um, optimistic to say the least to think that w- the OHSAA could get it right when the NCAA hasn't even figured this right. out. Right. And I think that's part of the concern. I think, you know, when the OHSA presented some of this stuff, it, it it's a little bit of fear-based push, you mm-hmm. know, Hey, it's coming. If we don't get to the table first, yeah. we don't know what's going to happen because legislators could, could push it and make a law. There's a big difference between a law and a policy from this perspective. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that was a, a real concern. Part of the issue then centers around enforcement, which is what you see at the NCAA, right? We have these safeguards. We have these rules. Who's enforcing it? And at the OHSA level, that's hard because, you know, Nate and and these ADs, they're oftentimes they're they're one man bands or or one woman bands. And right expecting them to to fully understand all of this and then enforce it in the OHSA when they said self-reporting. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot to go on and go quick. That is a, a really good point, because uh, for folks who really follow high school athletics closely, and we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, uh, the debate over a shot clock in high school basketball has been ongoing for years. And one of the reasons why it hasn't been implemented, a lot of people say, well, they've got it in every other level of basketball. Why not high school basketball is because it would involve having someone to another person that they would have to have run the clock at at ball games. Right. If you are talking about NIL, you're talking about at least one more person you would have to have on staff to monitor compliance. Right. In the, in the OHSA referendum, it said that each school had to designate a compliance officer. Mm. Right now, you know that's probably going to be the AD, but at the same time, so kids have to disclose the NIL deal to this compliance officer. Right. They've got to check and make sure it doesn't violate the amateurism rules. And then... I mean, pretty much they can't well, do anything else. That's a that's a lot. It's to not put like on ADs solutions. have anything correct, on their plate correct, already. Yeah, correct. exactly. Uh, when we look at the vote uh, that was uh, made public yesterday, it was two to one. It was mm-hmm. pretty uh, broad Absolutely. margin. Does that give you any indication that it will be a while before this gets reconsidered? I don't think anyone thinks that this is the final word that we're not going to. It's not going to come up again. Yeah. But does that give you any indication as to? Uh, we're, we're really not ready for this as opposed to we're really close. Well, I think that's, that's the concern is 
the preparation, right? If it would have passed, it would have been effective yesterday. Right. Like literally gone in yesterday. And, mm. I, and I don't think anyone was fully ready for that. And especially at the end of the year, you've got ADs that aren't full time. They're not going to be there all summer. So you're asking them to deal with this massive issue mm-hmm. and potentially not even be around. I think the the interesting and, and fearful part is what's going to happen from a, a political legislature standpoint? Because the legislators could could grab this up and say, no, we're, we're pushing this. They make a law mm-hmm. and then it's, you know, court battles, it's lawsuits, and that's going to be the potential issue, right? Is there going to be a kid that says, hey, I should be allowed to do this, and they yeah. sue the OHSA? Well, the the uh, point has been made that just by virtue of this being voted down, there may be uh, lawsuits as right. a result. So. so then it's, you know, how long are we going to be in litigation? What's going to happen? Are they going to push? And, and it's just tough because somebody asked me the other day, what's the biggest issue around NIL? And, and part of it is for me, it's adults, right? Like kids potentially could figure this out and work through this, et cetera. But you're dealing with minors, you're dealing with adults that expect this or expect this. And it's, it's, it's going to get convoluted or it is convoluted. It's not going to go away. What, uh, what are the implications? I mean, what, uh, you know, at, at the, uh, at the end of the day, uh, what are the biggest issues as you say, like yeah. I said, you've studied this quite a bit Absolutely. and uh, some folks have said, oh, this will be the end of high school athletics as we know it. Is it that dramatic or? Well, it's interesting. You know, people have been saying that about college sports, but I'm pretty sure everybody's still filling the stadium. Yeah. Right. And that that's the concern. Right. I think the concern at the high school level is there's a couple of them, right? One, um, you know, minors entering into contracts and, and handling those types of things. Do they have if do they have an LLC? Do they have liability insurance? taxes. Um, I, I read an article about a, a kid's financial aid agreement for college getting screwed up because you know they're making this money. It goes on the parents' taxes. Mm. It, it switches their FAFSA and some of those elements around. So that's part of the concern. I think there there's a concern of people not really understanding what NIL is, right? You've got to have an education plan. You've got to educate your community members, your businesses in the community, the student athletes. And, and I worked at the University of North Carolina in athletics from 2019 to 21, and, and we would see these kids coming in with with contracts that would have um, exclusivity deals, perpetuity, all these these issues within contracts that businesses didn't have the best interest of the student athletes. So when you move that down to potentially this would have been junior high kids as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a heavy load to put on families to understand. What type of of uh, NIL deals uh, are we? would we be most likely talking about here? I mean, it, it's, it would be hard to imagine uh, a high school athlete outside of maybe a LeBron James level when he was playing high school athletics. He certainly got a lot of national attention, but it was it would be hard to imagine a, a high school athlete signing a sneaker deal, for example. Right. So there is one, and, and that was a kid in North Carolina, Mikey Williams, but he plays for a school that's not part of the North Carolina High School Athletic Association, right? So he's free to go. I think what people don't understand is they they just assume NIL is elite athletes, right? The quarterback mm-hmm. is going to get something, et cetera. But what you're seeing is is you're seeing kids like there was a, a female golfer high school in Nebraska. She signed with the local supermarket. Um, she's doing a lot of it's around social media, right? They've they've garnered this this community, this following. But then in return, she's mentoring young female business. Um, she's getting some mentorship for her business. There's a, a offensive lineman from Marshall who's a country singer, right? He used to he used to sing underneath a different name because it was outlawed by the NCAA. Now mm-hmm. he can do that. So what people usually don't understand is that the five percent, the elite, they're going to get thrown at. It's going to be hyper local. It's going to be different. But the other ninety five who are doing creative elements, right? There's a volleyball player from Wisconsin who has an art studio, right? She she's able to monetize. Has nothing to do with her being a volleyball player. Mm-hmm. A lot of them run camps. 
Yep. A lot of them do elements like that. Yeah. I'll also uh, mention, uh, again, we were talking with Nate, one of the uh, upsides uh, of this uh, is that under current rules, you know, the star quarterback on the on the team has a great game against a rival, goes to uh, his favorite restaurant the next day, and the manager says, hey, great game last night, meals on me today. That can actually get him into trouble uh, in terms of eligibility. That would be a violation. Under the current rules, this would seem to uh, alleviate that, which does seem to be a little overbearing. Well, no, that would be a violation even if the rules passed. That would passed, still be a Because violation. that's a pay-for-performance red flag, okay. right? So you can't be paid... Any agreement can't be the star quarterback goes to the local Dairy Whip and be like, hey, you get a free milkshake for every every touchdown. It can't be based on athletic performance. It can only be based on the notoriety of their name, image, and likeness. It has nothing to do I see. with their actual athletic performance. Mm. Um, there has, Even though this has been now voted down in Ohio, mm-hmm. there are actually some states uh, that have approved this at the high school level. What issues, if any, are they running into? Yeah, so I think there's about nine, and I think there's about 11 that have it under consideration. It's interesting. California's had it for a long time because of, of, of younger student-athletes in the entertainment industry, right? Mm. To be able to allow them to do different types of pieces. Yeah. You know, I, I think some of the concerns center around and, and really, it's only been about a year. So everybody's kind of going through and struggling with some of those pieces. The financial implications, right? Financial literacy, understanding those types of pieces. Contracts, kids signing things that are locking them up or locking their content up for a, for a longer period of time. Um, recruiting has shifted. So for some of those elite student-athletes, right, you have to be careful about what you're signing with in regards to if you're going to this institution who has deals with a restaurant in another category right yeah. so you're coming in and, and you're you're kind of putting yourself into a box that you can't get out of because you inked a deal in regards to something else yeah um that's one of the uh, concerns at the collegiate level is that uh, big boosters uh Absolutely. banding together to offer ni quote-unquote nil deals yep. to attract elite athletes yep. to certain universities right that raises the whole recruitment issue uh, in high school sports, which is already a, a big issue of debate. Yeah. So what what was happening at the college level is they have what are called NIL collectives, group mm-hmm. of individuals, boosters. They they pretty much create a standalone organization that pools money to offer NIL deals. A lot of times it's through if you go and, and you do something, a community will, will pay you a certain amount. One of my biggest concerns as I study this is I think NIL collectives could be a bigger factor at the high school level because – all of your boosters are within a closer radius, yeah. right? So the local car dealership and the local business could say, hey, we want our football team to be a lot better. Now, they can't put that into a contract, but if you know a school is offering their student-athletes $10,000 a year for NIL opportunities, mm-hmm. a kid might say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and play there. Is there any way to uh, open up uh, certain NIL possibilities without those type of collectives and still outlaw that, or is it uh, all or nothing? Um, I mean, but organizations can still do it individually, right? They just, schools can't, the craziest thing is schools can't do much other than education. And that's what I've, when I've been working with ADs and administration, the biggest thing that you can do right now is, is develop how you're educating your, your district, your stakeholders, and then figuring out what is our, our policy and what is our process moving forward to give them time to understand and help their student athletes. Because, there are so many sharks in the water, right? I saw it at the college yeah. level. It's I get calls all day from businesses. Hey, we're thinking about moving into the high school space. And mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't really care about the student athlete, right? They're looking for an ROI on their business. And how does this move forward? And, and I don't want that to sound bad, but 
No one knows the reality. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, so a lot here to, to still unpack. As we said, nobody believes this is the, the last word on the subject. Uh, but for now, uh, the uh, NIL rules for OHSAA uh, member schools have been re- rejected. But it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Again, uh, Dr. Scott Grant with us uh, this morning, uh, sharing his some of his uh, insight on the uh, whole issue. Scott, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Hey, in the small Arkansas town of Kingsland, a well-placed bullet hole uh, is causing some embarrassment. Um, (laughs) There's a leak in the water tower in more ways than one, as it turns out. Uh, Kingsland, Arkansas, you see, is the birthplace of legendary musician Johnny Cash. And at uh, top of the uh, water tower there in Kingsland, they have a silhouette of Johnny Cash painted on the water tower to celebrate. In fact, they're the the hometown of uh, of Johnny Cash, right? Um, someone recently <laughs> fired a shot uh, that hit the image of the man in black in what Mayor Luke Neal calls a very sensitive area. (laughs) Uh, And it makes it appear as though the man in black is um, relieving himself off the side of the water tower. While the stunt has attracted attention, it is also costing the city $200 a day until the hole can be repaired, a job that will cost around $5,000. Uh, the uh, mayor of the town uh, points out that the vandal, whoever it is, if uh, they are eventually caught, could face felony charges. But <laughs> in the meantime, it looks like Johnny Cash is uh, is taking a leak <laughs> on the water tower, the bullet hole. Now, either that was just an incredible coincidence or someone has incredibly good aim. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, from the international file, a 24-year-old Japanese man uh, who was mistakenly sent the equivalent of $360,000 in COVID-19 relief funds by the town in which he lives said he is not able to pay the money back. And he got the the money uh, by mistake, but he says he can't pay it back because he gambled it all away on overseas casino sites. <laughs> the man the man is unlikely to be able to return the money transferred to him by uh, in error by the town of Abul. Uh, according to his lawyer, who said uh, resolution through litigation is being considered, last Thursday, the town sued the man for around 51 million yen for the full return of the funds plus legal fees. According to the city, the man had refused to return the money, saying it was moved from my account and cannot be returned. Uh, But he says he pledges he will atone for his sins. (laughs) Got $360,000 in COVID money, just shows up in his bank account. So what does he do? He gambles it away. (laughs) Oops. Uh, Let's see. 
here are a couple of uh, interesting stories. Not uh, the, the typical fare that we see in the uh, broken news, but I thought these were uh, stories that were worth noting. University students in Maryland are looking to change the way the world eats burritos. A group of chemical engineering students at Johns Hopkins University has invented what they call tasty tape to keep burritos and other messy foods from falling apart while being eaten. (laughs) This is genius! One group member said the ingredients... Uh, are a secret for now, but they say the Tasty Tape is 100% edible. It's edible tape. You wrap it around your burrito so it doesn't fall apart, and you can just chow down on the whole thing. You can eat the tape and all. They are in the process of getting the edible tape patented. (laughs) That is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the first thing that I thought when I saw that story is, You know, these uh, students at Johns Hopkins University have far too much free time on their hand. But then again, on the other hand, that's that's brilliant. It's genius. Hope they make a lot of money on that. Uh, Speaking of uh, business ideas, uh, this is really sad business news. Uh, Thousands of fish and chips stores in Great Britain are in danger of closing and may not make it through the end of the year. All because of severe financial strain brought on by the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. What's the connection here, you ask? Key ingredients like cod and cooking oil have skyrocketed in price because the UK relies on both Russia and Ukraine for much of their supply. The president of the National Federation of Fish Fryers... I had no idea that they had a National Federation of Fish Fryers in Great Britain. Uh, But they estimate that one-third of the country's 10,000 or so fish and chip restaurants will be forced to close their doors by the end of 22. They survived the pandemic only to be undone by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Supply chain snarls and high energy bills are adding to the problem. Man, now this is getting serious. If the British can't get fish and chips... What will they do? That is that is some ster- serious stuff right there. I'm not kidding around. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, a Florida woman, as we always have to have a story out of Florida, it seems, Florida woman is facing felony charges for allegedly beating her husband with a belt after she caught him watching pornography on his cell phone. <laughs> Angela Davis, age 30, was arrested earlier this month following the confrontation with the 51-year-old victim at their home in Summerfield, Florida. Her husband told police that he had gotten into an altercation with his wife after she interrupted his pleasure session. That's what he called it. He said she became angry and asked to see his phone, and when he handed it over, a verbal altercation ensued. Police say the dispute turned violent, And uh, Ms. Davis wrapped a leather belt with a large metal buckle around her fist and then uh, assaulted her her husband with it. (laughs) He uh, finally was able to wrangle his phone back to dial 911, uh, but not before uh, he was struck several times on his arms and his back. Um Ms. Davis admitted most of the story to police, but she added she had struck her spouse with the belt to protect herself. 
Uh, she was arrested and charged with ag- aggravated battery and witness tampering, uh, both felonies. <laughs> but you got to feel for her, really. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, uh, adult uh, material online going to get you into trouble one way or the other. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Our daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, those were there were some who theorized uh, that the pandemic might bring about a baby boom. With uh, people being stuck at home, nothing better to do, right? Well, maybe not. Instead, it may be a fur baby boom. A new poll reveals that 7 in 10 young adults in Generation Z, right there in their their prime baby-making ages, (laughs) 7 in 10 of those young adults would rather adopt a pet than have children of their own. 7 in 10 prefer pets over kids. And uh, they're not the only ones uh, choosing pets over people. Millennials, uh, it seems, feel the same way. In a survey of 1,000 pet owners commissioned by Consumer Affairs, researchers found that 57% of millennials love their pet more than their own sibling. (laughs) And 30%, if that wasn't enough, 30% chose a pet over their significant other. (laughs) Overall... You dig a little deeper into the numbers here. Overall, 81% of millennial pet owners say they love their pet more than at least one family member. <laughs> and and uh, now if you expand it to every family member that you have, uh, I, I can actually see that. 81%. I, I would think that I probably have at least one family member that I would prefer my pet over. <laughs> if you really think about it. Uh, but interestingly... Cat owners were slightly more likely to choose their pet over a relative than were dog owners. 85% to 83%. Natalie Reffitt is here from the uh, Hancock County Humane Society. And uh, so you were saying you would uh, you would actually agree with that. Uh, 81%, what was it, 81% of, uh, of uh, millennials say that there is at least one family member that they prefer I their pets over. I would agree over. with yeah. that. Everything that you I said, so. yeah. that was not surprising <laughs> to my ears, Chris. Not surprising at all. So, so much for a, a baby boom yeah. uh, after the uh, pandemic. But we did see, and uh, you bring up a good point, that uh, there was certainly, during the pandemic, a lot of folks, who adopted pets that is correct. Um, and and i know in some areas there has been a problem with uh, some of those pets coming back as people have gone back to that work have you true. seen that um actually during the p- pandemic so in 2020 2021 we did not see a whole bunch of pet well returns. that's good news yes that yeah. was very good news we are starting to see some now mm-hmm. like in currently 2022 we are starting to see some mm. 
Um, so I'm not sure if it's because now they really have to, like, they can't work remotely anymore. Right. I'm, I'm unsure exactly. A lot of the reasons we get is, like, moving or can't mm-hmm. care for. So. Yeah. So it just underscores the uh, the fact that this is a commitment, and you, and you want to go yes. in with your eyes wide open and not, uh, you know, we kind of we kind of joke about the uh, the fact that people love their pets more than yeah. more than kids yes. even sometimes, uh, but just like a just like a baby, this is a commitment. It so, is a commitment. Yeah. Yes, depending on what type of pet you get. I mean, cats can live for twenty years. Right. I mean, right. Dogs, fifteen. Guinea pigs, nine, eight. Mm-hmm. Rabbits, ten years. Birds, for crying out loud, can for live for outlive you. Yes, yeah, can yes. outlive you. So yeah, yeah. these are so, all. And I think big that kind of goes to the survey too, because pets rely on you. Like they're, a, right. I guess, essentially a baby their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Like so, you have to spend so much time with them, and and you just you just bond with them. They're when you come home from work, they are pasted to you. When you go to yeah. bed, they want to go to bed with you. So yeah. I think that kind of. Yeah. It plays into that. Who have you uh, brought with you today? You've got a uh, kitty cat. I do. This today. is Tiger, and she's trying to look out at the view of lake, the lake, <laughs> but she is a great tiger cat, and she is looking for a home. Her, She was actually brought in with a sister, Tabby, and their owner could not take care of them anymore. So that, so that's why they're with us, and they're looking for a home. They're very young, well, fairly young, about a year old. Okay. So definitely, like we had just talked about, a commitment. So she, she, hopefully, she'll be alive yeah. for another ten plus years. She does seem to be a very inquisitive cat. She's uh, looking around, <laughs> she uh, you know, taking it all in yeah. uh, there. Uh, you have an event coming up this weekend, uh, an adoptathon, an adopt a pet event, uh, in conjunction with the YMCA. We do. The YMCA, the East Branch, reached out to us wanting to promote the pets available for adoption. So they have started a donation drive for us. So if you can adopt, you can donate and you can donate right to the Humane Society or to the YMCA branches. And they were they are going to give all those donations to us, and that directly impacts the pets. Yeah. So if you can't adopt, which that would be the ideal mm-hmm. goal to adopt sure. a pet. If you can't, you can definitely help out in other ways. And you actually have a, a list uh, on the website, and I know we talk about this actually around Christmas time, but the need is there year-round for all kinds of things. Yes, it is. Currently, we are in need of canned pumpkin. So canned pumpkin helps with, like, if they have, if the pets have loose stools or a little bit of tummy really? issues, it hmm. does. It okay. It kind of, yes, it does help them. And we always need bleach. We go through so much laundry, mm-hmm. and we use bleach in our laundry. We go through a lot of paper towels and dog and cat toys as well. Yeah. Um, and how many pets are there uh, up for adoption right now? Um, it- I I was looking at the website. It looked like quite a few. Yeah, we probably have close to maybe 30 available for adoption. Now, all of them aren't on our website because sometimes people put holds on them. Okay. So then they get taken off our website. But if you want to physically see all the pets that we have available, you can stop out to the Humane Society at 4550 Foster Ray Avenue. Or you can go to the adoption event this Saturday at YMCA East Branch, and we'll be there from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Okay. Um, and what is the process 
Uh, well, first of all, what is the process normally, and then are you expediting that during the uh, Adopt-A-Pet event on uh, Saturday? So the process is going to be pretty much the same. Okay. Uh, so everybody in the home has to come and meet if you are interested in adopting a dog. And when you talk about everyone in the home, that includes other pets as well. That does. So it, if you're interested in adopting a dog and you have an existing dog, they do have to meet. Okay. But if you're interested in adopting a cat and have a dog, you don't have to bring your dog in. Or if you're interested in adopting a cat and have a cat, you do not have to bring your cat in. Might not be a bad idea, though, especially if you know your dog might be a little, or you don't know how your dog is going to react around cats. That is that is true. It's just different. It, it, it We just recommend that if you are bringing a cat or a small animal into a home with a dog, we recommend keeping your dog on a leash. That way, if your dog wants to chase, you can easily, yeah. you know, remedy the situation yes Uh, at least until they get used to each other and and you do find that over time cats and dogs yeah despite the despite (laughs) the uh the the stereotype they definitely yes that is correct it's very cute we we see pictures of previous adopters sending pictures in of their dog and cat together Mm -hmm. and it's so cute yeah so assuming that uh everybody in the family meets the new pet and uh everybody gets along and everybody uh you know blends well together can they take home the the pet that day they can take home same day yes so our dog adoption fee is 130 dollars and we have already spayed and neutered the pet initial vaccinations a flea treatment if you live in Hancock County, the dog license for 2022 and a free office visit to one of 10 local vets. She's, uh, she's kind of rolling over there. <laughs> she and, is. She's playing. playing. She's playing. She's, uh, she's cute. And, and for cats, the adoption fee is $30 and they're spayed and neutered, initial vaccinations, a flea treatment, and a free office visit to one of 10 local vets. Well, I tell you what, she is so chill. She is. That's, She's this, a this nice would be, cat. This would, uh, it, it strikes me that uh, that she may be a good uh, lap cat. Yeah. She's, oh, she's sticking her arm through yeah. the carrier, like trying to unlock the carrier. <laughs> she's like, I'll just help myself out. This is awesome. Uh, so, again, uh, the Adopt-A-Pet event uh, at the YMCA is at the East Branch on uh, Manor Hill Road on uh, Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. And then what are the hours at the Humane Society? If you can't make it there, uh, again, and obviously, uh, pets can be adopted yeah. from the Humane Society. So our uh, Monday, 12.30 to 4 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Saturdays, 10 to 3 p.m. Okay, very good. And don't forget, the uh, needs are great for donations. Uh, like we said, if you can't adopt a pet, the next best thing is to help out the pets yes. at the shelter. Thank you. Uh, we've got more details on our website at uh, goodmornings.net, so you can get uh, more info on all of that. Again, Natalie, with the uh, Humane Society of Hancock County, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you. it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more. Again, goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, Going out and making it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.